Basketball can be a mysterious sport. The team whose logo is in this envelope will have the first pick in the NBA draft. Watch James. Now wanted a timeout, but too late to get it. And five minutes go up on the clock, overtime here in game one. Will Giannis win a title in a Milwaukee Bucks uniform? It's hard for me to say that, Jay, considering how loaded the Lakers are. I don't know if you've been watching uh, Taylor Horton Tucker over the last couple of days. But what if those mysteries could be solved? What if those conspiracies are reality? Truth is out there. Can you handle it? I am Azu at underscore Guccifer. That's Lucifer with a G if you care. And I am a lifelong Milwaukee Bucks fan. This is Nick Andre at Nick Andre ATU on Twitter. And I am sadly a Warriors fan right now. Please dream on. Oh, we're going to talk about them. We're going to talk about them. One of the Hoop Truthers, a weekly basketball podcast where we talk about everything that the mystery of the NBA has to offer. And we've got some mystery and some pretty blatant stuff this week as well. We're going to get started with it right away with Russell Westbrook. We have got... We've been talking about Russ and the Lakers this whole season with some... And it's never been good stuff uh, either. It's always been sad, not um, really happy. We've got a thread here from Russell Westbrook's wife, Nina Westbrook, who people said it was a rant. Let's just say that. It wasn't a rant, okay? Uh, It was like nine tweets. Here's the thing. Name-calling or stereotyping, uh, giving someone a bad label, makes them think that person is bad fair enough the definition of criticism uh it's very important to understand the difference between name calling and telling someone's truth if you're a public figure you have to be responsible for the type of example you set i'm assuming she's talking about skip and um uh stephen a smith in that tweet She's being harassed on a daily basis, she says. Death wishes, which is nothing new to Lakers fans, by the way. Um, And she goes on for a bit about it, just defending her husband, honestly. I think it was kind of nasty of media outlets to describe this as a rant, where it's actually pretty calm. I mean, there's not a single curse in it. And even if she was cursing through the whole thing, I wouldn't have felt like it was a rant or an outburst or anything like that. We've got some comments from Russ too, but Dre, how did you feel? I mean, I'm sure you saw these tweets in this thread. How do you how do you feel about that? So I've been trying to keep quiet on the situation. Um, the past few days, everyone's been you know upset about everything. You know, expressing their thoughts on Twitter. I was going to do the same, but I wanted to wait until we got on here so I could really express how I really feel about it. Speak your Obviously, truth. Obviously, I'm on the same page as everyone. It's no secret that Russ is not playing well. Like it's really no secret. We know how it is playing for the purple and gold, the Lakers. And let's let's just let's just call it what it is. He has not played well this year. But 
we got to stop acting like he has been like the number one reason why they haven't played well this year. The Lakers as a whole just stink, even though they did beat my Warriors, which I'm still upset about. Besides that, they've been terrible for throughout most of the year. Injuries, um, different lineup rotations, you name it. But it's just unfortunate when, you know, it gets to the point where fans, or I wouldn't even say fans, I say idiots, decide that, you know, they want to they want to threat or try to put harm on the player's family, friends, whatever you name it. At the end of the day, Russell Westbrook's wife is not out there on the court. Russell Westbrook's kids ain't are not out right. on the court. I'm not understanding where these idiots are just deciding, oh man, like since Russell's not playing well, we're gonna take out his whole family, which doesn't understand. So I don't blame Nita one bit. I was actually watching her as she tweeted everything. And I, I can't really blame her whatsoever. I mean, honestly, I mean, this isn't the first encounter where she's actually had to come out and public, publicly say something. Uh, she's went at Stephen A. She's went at Skip, as you mentioned earlier. So she's always, obviously, always defending her husband, but this is definitely more of a serious issue to where, you know, her family is being, um, being in harm's way. And I just wish that this never happened. And fans just have to realize, like, you know, it's, it's basketball at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? Like, we get it. Russ is not playing well. Just because Russ is not playing well in the court. Actually, it's not even the fact he's not playing well. He doesn't fit with the team. People got to remember that Russ last year was like literally everyone's like probably top 10 candidate for MVP. Now all of a sudden he's on a team which everyone should have known that was not going to work alongside a guy like LeBron James because Russ is not a player that can play off the ball. So as he's not playing well this year, I just don't. I just. I just think it's a bit too much for people to just go out and death threat, just because the man has not been able to produce a couple of goals the way that people expect him to. It's just this isn't. I'm not gonna. I don't mean to make this seem like it's just Laker fans, but there's more examples of Laker fans sending death threats to their players than there are any other team in this league. They did it to, um, they did it to Danny Green a few years ago. Take a look at this. October 11, 2020, written by Dave McDermott, uh, writer for ESPN. Lakers' Danny Green and his fiance received death threats after a missed shot in Game 5 of the NBA Finals. So, of course, it's not new to Laker fans. It's pretty fucking disappointing to see. Every Russ stan on Twitter tweets out, Russ's family and his kids, whenever he's playing bad, it's become kind of a meme where it's like, this is the guy y'all are hating on. But that doesn't encourage you to go out and, you know, threaten his family and shit. And honestly, Lakers are ninth right now. Let's take a look at this. Lakers are 28 and 36, eight games under 500. Dog shit. Sure. They're ninth. They were seventh last year. They didn't have rest then. They were sending death threats to fucking Danny Green at that point, but they didn't, or Danny Green was in Philly. Whoever was on the fucking team. The fact of the matter is, if LeBron James is your best player at 37 years old and you don't have a core around him, you're probably not going to succeed that well. If Anthony Davis is your number two superstar and he's not healthy for half a season like every single year, that's going to be a problem. It, putting it just on Russ is kind of uh, irresponsible. They'd be better if they had someone else, sure, but I don't think they'd be a contender. If they didn't have their health, they wouldn't be a contender by any means. Here's some comments from Russ. Uh, this is a transcript from a um, post-conference. Uh, there's a video here. Here. Yeah, we'll just play the video for a second. 
I don't know if you can hear that, but here's the transcript. He stands behind his wife because she's getting all these comments as well. Um, he's let it go in the past. He's, you know, he's gotten criticism his whole career, OKC, Houston, wherever he's been at. He's gotten Washington. He's gotten criticism. Um, he says that his kid is really proud of his last name, Westbrook, and seeing it written as West Brick everywhere is really damaging to uh, him and his kid, you know, and damaging to his name, to his legacy, says that he's blessed, thankful for being in this position as an NBA player. And, if, and the biggest thing is that they don't want to go to games anymore. The His wife and kids don't want to go to games anymore because they're getting heckled and they got a lot of things. I don't want to spend too much time on this because honestly, it's just kind of depressing, but just be better. Just be a little bit better, guys, because... Be better. Stop being fucking idiots. It's, it's basketball at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's basketball. This is not real-life shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? If the Lakers do not make the playoffs, your life is not going to be thrown away because Russell Westbrook has not been shooting the ball well. They won a title in 2020. Get fucking exactly. over it, guys. Stop being so spoiled. Let's move on because I don't really want to dwell on that. Let's move on. Let's go to team of the week. Um, Pretty fun week in the NBA. I mean, they're always fun. And I say that every single week. If you've been watching or listening, you know that. But it's still fun. I mean, Dre, do you have a team of the week that you want to talk about? Honestly, you got to go with the same team from last week, man. This team is just continuing to kill. The Boston Celtics, who honestly I was pretty scared after the Jalen Brown injury. I thought it was going to be pretty soon. Right, right. But he was able to come back, I believe, in the Brooklyn game on Sunday. I believe right away. If I'm not mistaken. So for him to come back healthy, Jason Tatum's playing playing out of his mind. He had that fifty. I think I think it was fifty six or fifty four. Fifty six, yeah. Fifty four. I don't know. Uh, Boston is clicking at the right time, and honestly, I feel like. We gotta give credit to Ime Udoka. I don't know if he should be a coach of the year candidate right now, considering that Boston came came along too late. But sure. for them to be able to be clicking at the right time, Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and a few other uh, a few of the other guys as well, just being able to um, all all gel together on the court now and really go on this on his long winning streak, it's incredible to me, honestly. Because I de- I definitely did not expect this coming from Boston. I didn't either. I think both of us really liked the um, the Derek White trade when it happened. We thought that the defense could get a lot better, and it was still it was already clicking before they even traded for Derek White. But I don't think we expected this by any means. And even this week, like you said, you guys might be tired of hearing Dre say Celtics team of the week, basically team of the month for him at this point. But three straight wins this week. Uh, Hawks by nine, Grizzlies by 13, which is a pretty big win, to be honest. The Grizzlies have been monstrous all season. And then Nets by six, where Tatum drops 50... 56. 54. 54. I've got it right there. It's 54. I've got a different team of the week that I wanted to talk about, and it's going to have to go in line with an apology. I'm going to apologize to the Dallas Mavericks, not Jason Kidd, even though he's proven to be a better coach this season than I thought he would be. Jason Kidd's just a pretty bad dude in general, so I'm not going to apologize to him. But the Dallas Mavericks, man, 
there. I'll just read the stats, man. It's not even this week, but they've won 11 of their last 13. Okay. Um, and they've won five straight. So that's why their team of this week, five straight wins. And they've won multiple games against the Jazz, the Clippers, the Heat, serious teams in the league that they're beating. And it's on their defense. I they have good defensive players. Dorian Finney-Smith is a good defender. Um, Luka's been better this year. Brunson can play some defense, but there's no one. I mean, is there a single guy that you would you would like start as a defensive guy? That's. I mean, Tim Hardaway's been hurt the whole year. Can you think of anybody on the Mavs roster? I'm gonna look it up and see. Dinwiddie's not a defensive guy. Bertans isn't. Reggie Bullock is when he wants to be. Dwight Powell's pretty good. Josh Green can play some good defense. I've seen some good stuff about Josh Green out there. Marquise Chris has been playing well for them. But Frank Nelikina, who's probably the most defensive guy you could think of on that roster, doesn't get minutes. So it's all on the scheme, and they've been really just succeeding lately. Nelikina's at 12 12 minutes a game. It's basically the same as New York, if not a little more. But the defense looks great, man. And credit to them again. We were killing them on that that trade deadline deal where they sent Kristaps out for Dinwiddie and Bertans. They're both playing fine for Dallas. They're not like killing it. But Dinwiddie has he's had like multiple twenty point games since being sent to Washington. He's got more space to operate because they've got shooters. Washington's got zero shooters on their roster, and Bertans, who was supposed to be one of those shooters, has found his shooting again. Likely because they're spacing, and he's got an actual guard to pass him the ball in Luka Doncic. They've never had Washington's been trying to solve the point guard starting point guard thing forever. Dinwiddie was supposed to be that. It didn't turn out to be right, but. Everything's going right for the Mavs, man. Any thoughts on them? Um, yeah, I think I think the trade really. Uh, you basically mentioned it. Like, I think the trade really worked out for both teams. Adding a guy like Dan Woody who can play that that point position per se, you know, take the pressure off of Luca. I think that really helps as well. And, and of course, I'm also Jalen Burke playing that point guard um, position as well. But then also um, the fact that you mentioned Bertans because Bertans was struggling like shit during his time in Washington. Unplayable. Yeah, like rejuvenated now in Dallas, really just being able. I'm not gonna say shooting the lights out, but he's definitely shooting it at a very good clip. I think that I think I think that'll be really good for Dallas going forward. And let me just say, Luca has been on a tear practically since, or basically before the trade, but yeah, particularly like since the trade, he's been on a tear. Really, honestly, kind of like slowly, in my opinion, like inching himself into the MVP conversation, if you want to say. But but yeah, I mean sure. Dallas. Yeah, Dallas is definitely up there as far as, like, you know, like one of the top teams that are past few weeks. So. We'll talk a little bit more about Dallas when we get to a little bit farther in the pod where we'll cover um, some of the, the playoff standings and how it's shaping up right now, who we think is, you know, pretending and contending at this point. One last thought that I want to give before we move on is Dinwiddie, eight games. First and foremost, averaging 30 minutes a game. So he's out there the whole time. 18 points a game, five assists, shooting uh, 55 from the field, pretty solid. 45 from three, which is incredible. Just really contributing to a team. And if he, Bertans doesn't need to work out. But if Dinwiddie works out, that makes the Kristaps trade worth it. Just because you were trading a guy that you didn't necessarily need for this defense and 
getting another guy that can do it. Does he make Brunson expendable in the offseason? We'll probably get to that at some point in a future episode. Let's move on to game of the week. Um, I've got a big one. I've got one that I'm a huge fan of. But, Dre, did you have a game of the week you want to talk about? So this one, before I actually made a decision, you know, obviously there was a lot of great games. You had Shaw. Scoring 52 against San Antonio early last week. You had, of course, LeBron's 56-point game, which I don't really want to mention about that at all. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, you got Tatum. But I'm going to go with one game because I am so happy for this guy. I have, I've been a big fan of this guy for years. He's been bouncing around from team to team. I'm happy that he's finally got a home. I'm going with the Nuggets and the Rockets from this past Friday night. The Rockets mm. a big 31-point game. Really showing flashes of yeah, man. Working in the post game, the space to operate, knock down shots. It it really almost looked like the old buggy to me out there. He really looked super comfortable out there, just being able to operate on his own. I'm honestly like that was probably my favorite game, just because I'm like super excited for him. We all know the story of Boogie, you know the injuries and everything that's really cost his career, but he's really making the most out of it. And you know, I'm definitely proud of him for that big game that he had. Well, he's reunited with uh, Mike Malone. Where he should have never lost him in Sacramento, but he's back home with him. And I mean, does Denver have a bench now? We Denver's had one of the worst benches in the league for a long time, and now it looks like they've got some serious guys. And it's acquisitions that they've gotten this year. They drafted Bones Highland, who I love. I love Bones Highland. They traded for Bryn Forbes, who you know contributed in the first round to a championship team last year, and he's been hitting his threes because Monte he plays Morris. with a guy. Monte Morris is still doing stuff. Uh, Jeff Green off the bench has still got some pop to him. Same with Jamichael Green off the bench, who next to Boogie looks like a really nice uh, bench front court. And then, of course, Boogie. People keep talking about the Bones-Boogie connection, the pick and roll off the bench, and it's really – it's astonishing to see how they've turned around their bench in essentially one season. And they've been looking for that backup center role for a long time. They had JaVale there last year who did solid, but it wasn't like a solution to the non-Jokic minutes. Maybe it's not a solution to the non-Jokic minutes in the playoffs, but if you've got Jokic playing 35, 40 minutes a game and you only need DeMarcus for 10 to 15, you're probably going to be fine. You're going to be well, you know, maybe not once you get to the conference finals, but we can get to that another point. They also, if they're going to get their their reinforcements with Jamal and MPJ coming back, I'd, I'd watch out for this team a little bit, man. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like what I said um, uh, last episode. I'm not really going to bank on it as far as, like, you know, if Jamal Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr. come back just because, you know, if they do come back, I don't know how much they'll be able to produce considering that you know that they'll be still trying to find their legs but if they are able to come back and they're able to be 100 percent, denver's definitely a, a scary team my game of the week was a fun one man i haven't felt like this about a game since the finals y'all know how i get y'all know how i get about the bucks and how i get about these competitive games but when they play the Heat, it's hard. It's difficult, okay? The Heat have had our number in previous matchups, and that has been difficult to navigate. And their fans are very active on Twitter, as are Bucks fans. And there's always war. 
between us. There's no respect, almost very, almost no respect. I don't think the players dislike their each other. Uh, well, players do dislike each other, but we don't necessarily hate Lowry or PJ, especially. I mean, they took PJ. You know, that's always going to be a sore subject. Um, it's just hard to kind of describe the intensity of those matchups. Two years ago in the bubble, they beat his follow of, you know, gentlemen sweep 4-1, essentially a sweep. Last year, we sweep them in the first round and went on, going on to win a title. They went and made the finals when they beat us in the first round. We win the title when they beat us in the first round. So whoever wins the Bucks heat series the past two years has been the Eastern Conference champion, basically, if you think about that. And... They know how to defend us. They know how to defend Giannis to an extent. Of course, we've beaten it before, but they build the wall. And they've blown us out a couple of times this year, but not on March 2nd when they were getting close to beating us out. I think they made 20, 25 threes, like a ton of fucking threes that game. Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Caleb Martin, all these dudes just hitting threes. Max Strauss, who's been hitting them all season, just every three that they got open, they would hit against us. And it didn't fucking matter. At 21 to 6, that's 15 points in the uh, run in the last six minutes of the game, wins it by one. And it was in spectacular fashion. I'll detail the final sequence really quickly. Um, bam, out of bio, we're, da- we're, uh, we're down two, the Bucks are, and out of bio posts up. Flicks up a hook. He had been missing it all game. We were happy about it, but it bounces around the rim, hits the backboard, and goes in. Typically, it's a shot he makes. I wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like the craziest shot that's ever been made, you know. But it's a four-point game with about 45, 50 seconds left. We go down the floor. Giannis goes up for a layup, just kind of biffs it, you know, uh, hits the rim in a weird way, and it comes off. And there's about... 28 seconds on the clock before when the Heat are bringing it up. So even if you have the 24-second violation, they put up the shot that takes a couple of seconds off the clock as well. But you'd have, what, three seconds, and it would be a four-point game. Everyone in this league, nearly everyone, fouls in that situation. Foul them, go to the free-throw line, then it's a six-point game. You try and hit a three, it's a three-point game. You play the foul game. And if you were watching the Bucks broadcast, Pat Connaughton was on the sideline, broken hand, out for a month, uh, yelling for them to foul. But Budenholzer, head coach, is on there telling them not to. Just play it straight up, try and get a steal. And that's what happens. Wesley Matthews and oh, I think it was Giannis, double team Tyler Hero in uh, the half court for a pass, tips it. Chris Middleton picks it up, takes it down the floor, and looks at Giannis, looks at Wes for the basket. Instead, pulls up from three, pisses it. Three, three points, one-point game. The Heat have the ball. They try to inbound it. Bad pass to Jimmy Butler. Everyone on the Heat and their fans on Twitter were saying it was a foul. Two-minute report from the NBA says that it was not. Jump ball between him and Giannis. Jump ball goes to Giannis. Takes it down. Drew Holiday. Looked like a push-off on Gabe Vincent, who was guarding him. Heat fans again, and Heat players again crying to the referees that it was a foul. Last two-minute report again says that it's not a foul. Drew hits it. 
1.9 seconds left. We're up by one. They take a half-court heave because they're out of timeouts, and we win that game. I mean, we stole that game. We didn't deserve to win that game the way that we played. We didn't deserve to be in that game, and we stole it. Those are the best victories, especially when you've been a reigning champion that's been kind of struggling in these moments during the season who's also been dealing with injuries. We've been dealing – Brooks been out for the whole time. Um and that's essentially there. I just got a notification. Bucks just 30 balled OKC, which is not a surprise. But that's five straight from the Milwaukee Bucks. They would have been my team of the week if it wasn't for the Mavericks. And I already want, I was already going to talk about them in game of the week, so I didn't want to do it. But this, I mean, I haven't felt that excitement, that rage. I mean, the 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 stress during that game. But and since the finals, since Brooklyn series, since the Atlanta series, the Heat series, uh, there's been exciting games this season, both in Bucks and not. But Nothing's made me feel like it since like then. I know you didn't watch it in the moment, but did you catch any of the clips, Dre? I catch, I catch um, a little bit of the clips. Uh, this is this is the thing I have a problem with ESPN because I, I can't remember exactly what game they were showing around that time, but we have to do better with showing some of the top tier teams that we want to see, like the Bucks. Right. Game, we knew. I mean, we're, we're not we're not going to call it a rivalry, but there's a bit like there's a competitive edge between those two teams, especially on a Wednesday night, and we want to see that. So that would have been a game that I would have definitely wanted to see because I'll be real. I don't have League Pass. I'm not paying for League Pass at this point in the year. Fair enough. Unfortunately, I am, I, I am cheap. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not going to do it at this point of the year, unfortunately. But, yeah, I did, I did watch the last clips of the game. What what a game, honestly. Like, yeah. let me just say what a game. And let me just say this. I definitely want to see these two teams in the playoffs again, head-to-head. And I feel like if both teams are healthy, because remember, Miami just got Victor Ladefo back. Well, the depot is back from Miami. Oh, it looks good, by the way. I would love to see it go at least six to seven this year. Because we, I think I predicted six last year. I think I predicted six last year, and then, of course, you know, Milwaukee is just uh, kicking us, kicking their ass. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Uh, but the Heat are way better this year, by the way, than they were last year. Um, the difference between 2020 in the bubble and 2021 last year, I think the biggest one was Jay Crowder. They didn't have that that other big uh, front court defender to build the wall. Jay can't guard Giannis. We saw in the finals he can't guard Giannis. But he can contribute to a scheme that enforces a wall like that, and they just didn't have it. They were running, I think, Trevor Ariza and Andre Iguodala in that role, and they were just too frail for it. Uh, now they've got someone who's better than that. I'm not saying that P.J. Tucker's a better player than Jay Crowder, but he's a better defender, in my opinion, and he knows how to guard Giannis because he just played against him for half a season in practice. So yeah. it's going to be a harder battle, I think, this time around if they do meet in the playoffs. And I know that people don't want to call it a rivalry, I guess because it's not necessarily a history between the teams, but there's not a lot of rivalries in the NBA anymore. If they keep meeting the playoffs, it's got to be a rivalry. Right. In my, in my opinion, it's a small rivalry. I'm not going to say as big as you know other rivalries, but you know it's, it's, it's creeping up there. It's it's creeping up there, but it's also I mean there's not a lot of rivalries in the NBA. People are nicer now. I mean there's fights and there's you know tits and tats, but there's not rivalries. I think if a team has met each other in the last two playoffs and not necessarily legendary series, but it always gets chippy between them. The Heat were heavily rumored to be targeting Giannis for a long time, and their fans were really upset when they didn't get him. And Bucks fans were very happy that Miami didn't get it. Um, P.J. Tucker goes from one side to the other. It feels like a rivalry in the making. We'll see if it gets there, but 
I said, I, I'm not, I don't have an issue calling it a rivalry, at least as far as we're concerned with rivalries in the NBA today. Let's move on from game of the week. Spend a little bit of time on that because you know I'm going to spend a little bit of time on the Bucks. But Ben Simmons, I don't want to talk about Ben Simmons anymore. So let's keep this one short. But he's been in the news and he's in the news again. A grievance from Ben Simmons and his reputation is expected to be filled soon with the reception he encounters at Thursday's Sixers-Nets game serving as a potential piece of their case to recoup money he lost in fines this season. This is a story from Kyle Newbeck of the Philly Voice, just so you know if you want to check it out. Um, Simmons isn't going to be playing on Thursday. It's a game in Philly against Brooklyn and um, Philly and the blockbuster, the biggest trade of the NBA deadline was Ben Simmons and a lot of pieces, a lot more pieces for James Harden between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. Simmons hasn't played this year. Uh, he still hasn't played. Apparently, there's a back issue with his rehab. I have a feeling that it'll clear up by the time that this game is over in Philadelphia. But... Um, Here's, here's a quote from, from Rich Paul. I truly believe the fines, the targeting, the negative publicity shined on this issue that's very unnecessary and has furthered the mental health issues for Ben. Either you help Ben or come out and say he's lying. Which one is it? Rich Paul's smart. He knows that this is the correct way to go in terms of if you want to get that money back. I think it was, what, like $13, $14 million in fines that Ben Simmons was paying before he got traded. It's a whole lot of money. I'd like to have a fraction of that shit right now, let me tell you. But it's a smart play. And that's why I was, at first, I was surprised to see Ben Simmons um, confirmed to be at the Philly game. Uh, he's going to sit on the bench, not play, but sit on the bench, not play with uh, the Nets out there. Because here's the thing. That Philly crowd is going to take it to him. You know, that Philly crowd ain't nice. We've seen it in basketball. We've seen it in football. I wouldn't know if it's in baseball because I, I don't watch it. And no one's watching it, by the way, with the lockout going on. I have no idea what's going on with that. But... They're going to treat him poorly. I really hope nothing out of bounds happens in the sense that um, something is with thrown. The way, with the way things are today, I wouldn't be surprised if someone like threw a bottle or something. I mean, right. I'm, I'm not seeing it happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. I really hope that doesn't happen. But if it does, they're going to win this grievance. It's going to prove that the Philly crowd was hostile towards Simmons and it contributed to his mental health issues. Issues sounds negative. I don't mean to make it seem like it's a negative, but the mental health was why he was not playing this year. And we don't have any expertise on deciding against that. I certainly don't. And I wouldn't disagree with it. I'm dealing with uh, shitty mental health every fucking day. So I, if he wants to take a break, I totally, I mean, he's allowed to, man. I'd, I'd take a break if I could afford the fines and not have to work, you know? Um, but if they do, it's going to prove that it's correct, and I think he's going to win the agreements. I don't know if he'll get all that money back, but he will certainly get some of it back if the crowd treats him the way that they're expected to, knowing Philadelphia. How do you feel about this, Dre? So I'm happy that you went first and you spoke on the situation because I didn't get a chance to read the article. And I'll be honest, I was a bit naive when you know when I read the story or like when I leave. Sure, sure. This motherfucker right here, bro. He hasn't played or he didn't want to play. And now all of a sudden he wants his money back. But considering that you broke it down the way that you did, I mean it does it does it does 
basically highlight the fact that Rich Paul is a genius, which is why he's right. by far the best agent in the NBA, per se. And, you know, I know I know a lot of people may want to downplay, you know, whether Ben Simmons really did have mental health issues or not. That's not for me to tell, especially for especially for a person like me who's been through depression, mental health right. issues. I'm not going to downplay somebody who actually may have gone through it. If, if he says he went through it, then I'm, I'm going to believe him at the end of the day. Right. I don't believe that he would lie. I don't believe he would lie about something like that. But, you know, considering how, you know, how you break it down, how, you know, when he does go into – or, or as, soon, as soon as he walks out of the tunnel in Philly, they are going to give it to him. Right. They, they will be waiting for him to walk out of there, whether it's with the uh, whether it's with the team, you know, as they're running out or even afterwards, like, you know what I'm saying, like as, as, the, um, as a tip-off, they will give it to him. And I, I know I did mention that there may be some idiot that may throw a bottle because, I mean, we've seen it many times. We saw even last week with Kyrie. Kyrie was walking off the uh, floor. Somebody threw a water bottle. I think. I think. I think it was last year when um when someone threw popcorn at uh, Westbrook as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Nasty. Fans, nasty stuff. Man. Yeah. So like in today's society, fans just don't give a shit. They have no filter. They seem like they're okay with the consequences of being banned forever. And especially you know with everything that went on for Ben Simmons, obviously you know dating back to that last game against Atlanta, Game Seven of the uh, Conference Semifinals, and how he basically. Just basically left the team after that, you know, saying, "Hey, I don't want to play." There is no doubt in my mind that somebody will possibly try something. I don't want it to happen, right? But I kind of have a feeling that they will have it, or something may possibly happen, which will be another, another, um, another reason why he might he may get that money back, yeah. or at least. So, it's also another reason to tune in. I mean, you were probably going to tune into this game whether Simmons played or not. It, I want to. I mean, that's why I want a playoff series to happen. I want to see these teams at their full strength against each other in a series to see who proved to win the trade because that doesn't happen very often. These these teams that are directly competing with each other, trading assets to each other, you know. Um, but we're still going to have uh, Harden and Embiid versus Kyrie and KD. I'm assuming Kyrie is playing in this game. It's in Philadelphia. I don't think they have a vaccine mandate, and he's a visiting playing team uh, anyways. Um, so he should be playing, but we don't know if he will be. I'm not really sure. But there's going to be a lot of talk. I'm sure it's nationally televised. So check out this game if you can. It's really exciting. Brooklyn Miles will pay all the fines because the Nets are struggling right now. They need yeah. something. Yeah, and that's our – well, we'll get to the standings in a bit. First, let's move to the injury report. If you're new to this podcast, which a lot of you might be, it is episode three of the Hoop Truther podcast. The Hoop Truth is out there. We're going to find you. it. <laughs> the we're, We do good news, bad news. Injury report doesn't always have to be bad news. It, it, there's always good NBA, uh, good injury news in the NBA as well as bad news. And this week, we've actually got more good news than bad. So let's start with a little bit of good news uh, that we already started with. Jalen Brown isn't hurt, at least not as hurt as we thought he was. That video of him getting hurt was kind of nasty. His leg bent in a way that wasn't natural, and it was non-contact. So you were a little worried about it. He's just fine. He played against the Nets. I don't know if he played well or not, but the point is he's out there, and the Celtics, your team of the week, are still playing well. So it was really nice to see him out there. Another player that is um, back for the first time in over a year is Victor Oladipo playing for the Heat, a team that finds gems in the rough. Uh, I don't know if that's a saying. More than any other team in the NBA, and Depot is another one who – 
you know, they traded for last year was Kelly Olinick and um, someone else for Victor Oladipo. Didn't work out simply because he couldn't stay healthy. I think he played four games before he required knee surgery, and Oladipo and knee surgeries is not the greatest thing to hear because we've heard it a couple of times. But he came back. The, out of the clips that I saw, he hit a three. He uh, took a guy off the dribble, dunked the shit out of it, looking like Depot. Is he ever going to be that one year of all NBA Depot that we saw in Indiana? Probably not ever again, but he can contribute something to a team. He's another smaller wing that this Heat team knows how to utilize, and if he can be healthy on the court, it brings another one to him. Did you watch any of the Depot game? I didn't watch any of the Depot game, but I definitely did see the um, see some of the highlights, <clears throat> particularly you know him being able to just just look a little bit comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Being able, I think I think um, I don't know the exact stats, but I, I when I was checking the first half, he had like 11 at the half. So you know, so that definitely shows you know some good sh- some good signs of him you know being able to get to the basket, being able to be comfortable and make his shot. So I'm definitely excited for him. The one thing that I'm very excited for him is uh, what he'll be able to bring to the uh, defensively for Miami, which will definitely take them up, uh, turn them, take them up, and not especially with him, you know, being able to be that great perimeter defender, you know, alongside guys like Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and the rest of those guys. So I'm definitely excited for uh, for what Oladipo will have in store for Miami. I know, I know he's been struggling. I know, or I know he was struggling, you know, in his last days in Indiana, and then of course, you know, his brief time in Houston, but. I think I think we're gonna see a new motivator rejuvenate all the people, and I and I, I think it'll be big for Miami. It's really nice to see. Uh, it was against the Rockets, to be fair, who don't have a ton of defense out there beyond Jay Sean Tate. KJ Martin's pretty good, but he's not a a guard defender. You know, Eric Gordon can be out there at times, but uh, we'll see how it ramps up. Worst case scenario, it's another solid wing for the Miami Heat if he stays healthy, of course. And that's yeah. another weapon for him, man. Uh, let's move on to some bad news. Uh, OG Ananobi, this is kind of good news in a sense that we thought it could have been worse, but he fractured his finger. We've seen it take up to a month with guys like Pat Connaughton needing a month for their surgery. OG's going to be out for two weeks. I don't think he's getting surgery. I think he's resting it, trying to let it heal on his own. Toronto's been up and down this season, and OG's been one of the good things about them. I mean, they got wing defenders on wing defenders. You're all out of a lineup with OG, Scotty, and Pascal. It's going to be hard to score on them. Um, so it sucks for them to see that. Let's go on to some more good news. A couple of – let's do Zion, man. The first positive Zion update we've gotten all season – that they're confident he'll be back by the end of the season. And New Orleans is playing well, by the way. He could have been either of our uh, teams of the week, but they're playing well. The CJ McCollum trade is looking out. They got 20 balled by Memphis um, today, but... Or by, yeah, Memphis. But regardless, they've been playing a lot better lately. I think they're pushing on, let's take a look here, on the Lakers at the. Right behind the Lakers, aren't they? They are right behind the Lakers, one win behind the Lakers and two losses. So they're a little bit behind. I think they're a game and a half behind the Lakers. Uh, and the way they're trending, they might pass them sometime soon. But they're going to be in the play-in. Something that they've been fighting for, for for seasons now is that they're going to be in the play-in. That necessarily means something. But if you get into the play-in and Zion is maybe not healthy but out there and you guys win the play-in and get to play a playoff team, 
listen, is New Orleans with McCollum, Valanchunas, Ingram, and Zion going to beat the Suns or the Grizzlies? No, but we can see what they can do against them. Like, I'd like to see what Zion does against a team that couldn't hold Giannis last year, uh, like the Suns, you know. Grizzlies have interior size, so it wouldn't be as much of a benefit for thing. But if you get Pelicans, Grizzlies, you get to see John Zion go at it in a playoff series. You think that's not going to be on ESPN every night? Come on. Yeah, they definitely should, honestly. And uh, honestly, you know, like with the Zion news, I'm going to say um, a part of me would have been like against it, like probably like a month or so ago. But considering that the Pelicans traded for CJ McCollum and they're right in the playing tournament, go for it. You know, so you got to go for it. Is Zion yeah. healthy? Is Zion 100%? If he's showing that, you know, if, he, if he's showing positive signs in practice, you know, showing that he's ready, put him out there, like without hesitation. Yeah, and um, it's just nice to hear something positive about Zion. We saw that float that people made in New Orleans, fucking disgusting, and a lot of bad stuff with Zion in New Orleans this year. Um, for him to come out there and look positive, I mean, the dude averaged, what, 27 last year? Like, it wasn't a bad... On like 62%, I want to say. Yeah, like the... the it was phenomenal last year. Um, I think it was an all-star, too. He just hasn't played this year. So I hope that he can get out there because while I don't dis- I, while I disagree with almost all the moves they've made in David Griffin's tenure, a roster of C.J. McCollum, Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Zion, and Jonas Valanciunas is pretty good. It's pretty good. So Shout out to Herb Jones, man. Terrific. Yeah. Herb Jones is like <laughs> – He's like he's not just a, a good defender that was drafted late in the NBA. Like he's going to be a guy that you can not build a defense around, but a high level perimeter defender that's going to raise the floor. I want to say he was Alabama's like number one option a year ago. Oh yeah, yeah. So. <sighs> it's a solid roster. We 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 do, we do a lot in in discrediting David Griffin, but the roster, if Zion is healthy, is something. It's something that we have yet to see, but it's something. Especially because CJ's been playing well. Uh, I I didn't love the CJ trade, but he's playing well. So let's see how it goes. Let's go to some bad news. Um, And this one kind of sucks. We haven't seen him at all this year. Uh, Joe Harris has an ankle surgery. He's done for the season. We didn't have a lot of updates on Joe Harris. It was confirmed by GM Sean Marks in an interview uh, earlier this week where they've been trying to get him back. It just wasn't going to happen, unfortunately. He's been struggling with it all season, and fortunately they're a team full of snipers. They've still got Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, a whole ton of snipers. It just takes another one off the board, and he was one of their forwards. You need those forwards out there. They've got guys like Bruce Brown and Kessler Edwards, but not shooters like Josh Harris, Joe Harris. So... Sucks for Brooklyn. It doesn't kill them in the playoffs, but it would have been another guy to throw out there that you can't guard or you have to guard and not guard the paint, which opens up the lane for other things. Um, any thoughts on Harris? It just it sucks to see, man. Yeah, it's just unfortunate, you know, considering that, you know, he was, he was definitely one of the Nets' weapons over the past few years, so for him not to have the opportunity to even compete with them in the playoffs this year is just unfortunate, but I guess you I guess you can say that, you know, it's not a huge loss for Brooklyn considering especially considering that, you know, they just got Seth Curry in that trade. Right. So, you know, having a sniper like him, you know, being able to um, be able to knock down shots and create on his own, that, that's, that's definitely a big um, a big lift for Brooklyn. 
So we're going to finish up good news, bad news on the injury report with a three team or a three player trade. Three players that are out for the season, three players that have been out for most of the season that are being cleared to return. Let's start with teams that are out. OKC just dropped a bomb on us uh, earlier today. This was like four hours ago. Andrew Schlecht, who does a podcast that I like for The Athletic. Lugans Dort underwent successful procedure today to address a labrum tear in his left shoulder. Ty Jerome underwent a successful procedure today to address a sports hernia. Mike Muscala underwent a successful arthroscopic procedure and additional lateral ligament repair on his right ankle today. Three players that actually play minutes for the for the uh, Thunder, by the way. Lou Dort, we all know Lou Dort. Mike Muscala has been a solid backup center in the league for five years now. And Ty Jerome is the younger brother of... Uh, no, I... Yeah, he's he's someone's brother, I think. I don't know. But he's a guard that plays minutes for him. I was thinking of the Jones brothers. It's not the Jones brothers, but Tyus and Trey. But um, three guys that announced on the same day in the same injury report, surgery for the end of the season. I mean, what the fuck is that, Trey? It's it's crazy, but, um, you know, considering that the Thunder, they're not really going anywhere. So all, all I can say is, you know, I just wish them all a speedy recovery and whenever they come back, they can come back 100%. So I guess you could say, I mean, it, it is a big loss for OKC, but then again, it's not just because, you know. Right. It, it helps the tankathon. It's just really, sh- it's kind of shocking to see three guys uh, yeah, undergo season ending injury in the same time span. Right. Right. Um, so uh, a tanking team le- loses three players to help their tank, and three contenders are getting players back in the next couple of weeks that will help their causes. Let's start with Alex Caruso, cleared for practice in full contact. The Bulls are desperate for Alex Caruso. They're desperate for guards. I mean, Io's been fantastic uh, the whole season. We're, a whole, we're huge fans of Io at the Hoop Truther podcast. If, if you're looking for the Hoop Truth, you'll probably find it with Io. Let's say that. But they haven't had Lonzo, even for this entire time either. Caruso's been out, and I know there's a lot of uh, news around it because of the Grayson Allen foul, but I saw I saw a fucking Bulls fan tweet today that um, – that uh, Grayson Allen really cost them a full seed, like whether it's the one to two seed or two to three seed, let alone that Lonzo's been out even longer than Caruso. Zach Levine has missed time. Vucevic got COVID like twice this year. Patrick Williams hasn't been on the, the court the entire fucking season. And you're going to blame it on a Grayson Allen foul. Listen, six weeks of Caruso hurts. It really does. Do you think Caruso keeps you from being 0-14 against top three teams in each conference? No, it's not. But I don't want to talk about that anymore. I'm getting on a negative. This isn't about negative. This is positive. Caruso's coming back. How do you feel about that, Dre? I'm super happy. I am honestly super happy because, like you said, the Bulls the Bulls need bodies at this point. Right. Like, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, Levine is missed time. Lonzo is still out. I don't even know if we've even had any updates. I, I, honestly, I haven't heard any updates on Lonzo for a little while now. I just hope that he's able to come back at least before the playoffs. Uh, but for Caruso to come back, you know, considering that he was playing like at a really good level, especially on the defensive, I think it's really big for Chicago. But basically, all that we just mentioned, you know, what I'm saying how all these injuries have been about. We know that the Bulls have not been good against, you know, against top contenders in the NBA. But this is another reason why I, right now, considering Demar Derozan as MVP, is because they have been one of the top. I know, I know they're sitting at number four, number five now after after a few losses to Milwaukee and a few other teams, but. For them to have all these injuries and considering that they have been like one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference so far.
far this year, especially when you're competing with teams like Miami, Milwaukee, Philly, you know, other teams. It just speaks volumes to, you know, saying to this team, you know, how what DeRozan is playing and also Billy Johnson. You got to give credit to him as well. Yeah, 100%. And I, I'm looking on Twitter. There's not much. People are saying he's expected back towards the end of March, so essentially before the playoffs. But nothing official in terms of uh, updates from the team doctors or anything like that. Caruso's coming back at the same time. The Golden State Warriors, who have been kind of floundering lately, we can talk about that a little bit. They need bodies, and unfortunately, it's not a Draymond Green update. It's not a Draymond Green update. It's a James Wiseman update. Who's alive? He's alive! (laughs) He's alive! He has been cleared for two Santa Cruz G League games on Thursday. So if you don't want to watch Philly versus uh, Brooklyn, you can watch James Wiseman in his first G League game since his injury. And Sunday uh, for a projected return to the Golden State Warriors lineup. And they need size, man. They need big men. How are you feeling about this? Our resident Golden State Warriors fan, Nick Andre. Oh, man. A sigh of relief. A sigh of relief. Um, and it's crazy because earlier today I was having a conversation with my friend Quez, and he was, was basically saying, oh, well, why is it be good, you know, to be in the starting lineup? And I said, gives a shit at this point. We need size. If you watch right. the Lakers game, if you watch the Lakers game this past Saturday, the Lakers down the stretch got a shit ton of offensive rebounds because, unfortunately, I love Kevon Lee. He is too – he's too small. Yeah. Way too small. You're going up against big, you know, like, like the Lakers having size. Looney's too small, and for a guy like Wiseman, who is around seven feet, I want to say seven feet or seven one, for him to be able to bring that versatility on the offensive end alongside that present defensively as far as, you know, protecting the rim, we definitely need it. So I'm happy that he's returning. Take your time, Wiseman. Please take your time. You know what I'm saying? Like, get your legs underneath you in the G League, and then whenever you're ready to come back, we are going to make things happen. I also lied. I took a quick look on Twitter. Draymond Green on his podcast a few days ago, I think it was yesterday, said that he's targeting March 14th, a week from yesterday, to return from his injury. So Warriors are getting all their bodies back. Klay Thompson is still rounding into form, but he's out there. I think that's all the injuries you guys are dealing with. Hell, fucking Moses Moody had like 25 in the first half the other day for his career high. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes. Moses Moody. Killed last night. Him, Jordan Poole, basically in that backcourt, basically killed last night. And it, it's just unfortunate. And this, like, I've been saying this all year. Like, we are so heavy in the backcourt. You know, I mean, you take away Steph and Clay Thompson. We got Jordan Poole. We got Damian Lee. We got Toscano Anderson. We have Chiola, which I don't understand why he's still playing on the team personally. I think he needs to be stepped back down to the G League. Sure. But, you know, it's taking away, like, you know, great talent like Moses Moody, who was, I want to say, the fourth. Pick in the draft, I want to say. I uh, yeah, he was. Kaminga was seven, or no, no, Kaminga was six. Moses was 14. 14, yes. So for him to be able to um, have the game that he had, I mean, I, I, know, I, know, you know, I know I know, we basically expected us to lose this game just because, you know, Steph didn't play, Clay didn't play. But, you know, for him to be a young guy, being able to uh, get that playing time and just be able to produce at the level that he did, I just hope that, you know, that he can continue to ride the momentum. And maybe Steve Kerr will come to his senses and say, you know what, let's get this guy out of the G League. Let's put him on our roster going into the playoffs. I'm hoping it happens. 
We're going to see, baby. We're going to see the, the Warriors. I mean, floundering is a strong word. They've only fallen from second to third in the West, and they have a, they're about two and a half games above the Jazz. So they're not in immediate danger of doing it, but they're only a game away from the Grizzlies. They'd probably want one of those top two picks in the, or one of those top two seeds in the West with the West being so grueling this year. Um, but they're going to need reinforcements to do it. It looks like they're going to get it. Another team that is in third in their conference, just like the Warriors, that's been missing a seven-footer for most of their or all of their season, although he's more important to the Milwaukee Bucks than Wiseman is to Warriors. Brooke Lopez has been cleared for five-on-five work and contact, and I couldn't be fucking happier. Listen, the books addressed this. He's been injured the entire season at the trade deadline with the acquisition of Serge Ibaka, who's been playing well, by the way. 18-10 and 10 with two blocks the other night. I believe he played well tonight against the... Um, the OKC Thunder, I don't really care about the stats for it because it's OKC. I'm not too worried about whether he played that well or not. But he's been playing well, but he's not Brook Lopez. Brook Lopez was a franchise scorer. You know, Ibaka would 18 and 7 or 14 and 7 with two blocks tonight. Another solid game. But Ibaka or uh, Brook is the franchise leader in the Nets scoring history. Ibaka was never known as a scorer, and he didn't have to be. He was always known as a defender, and he developed the shot uh, later on in his career. Brooke was an elite scorer, a 20-10 and 10 guy, walking 20-10, and 10, that became an elite defender when the league no longer needed big men to score like he did. Well, you need a guy that's overqualified. He can play defense. He runs an elite version of drop coverage that not many, very few centers in this league can run, and when it is needed upon him, say Giannis getting hurt in the playoffs, he can drop 33 against an Atlanta Hawks to uh, uplift them to uh, a finals berth. We need Brooke back. Our rebounding has gone to shit this year. Our defense isn't going very well. Um, it has its moments because Giannis is still a DPOY candidate. Sergi Baca's good. Drew Holiday is the best perimeter defender in the league. I fucking said it. I don't care. Chris is still good. Wes is still good. Bembry, Javon Carter. Thank you, Brooklyn Nets, for those defenders. They've been playing great. But they're not. It all comes together with Brooke Lopez. We won a title on the back of our defense, and Brooke Lopez was like the third most important defender in that scheme, man. Maybe even the second, however you view Drew Holiday that year. And I'm excited to see him out there. That's going to conclude good news, bad news for the injury report. Let's take a look-ski at a little bit of momentum going into the playoffs. Things are starting to shape up in the NBA standings, although not it's still congested in some points. Let's look at the West first because it's a little bit less boring than the, the Eastern Conference. But we've got Suns at one. They're not going to be taken out of it. They're up. The Grizzlies are second, and they're eight games behind first seed. The Suns will have the first seed in the Western Conference. They're 52-13. and 13. They might win fucking uh, 60 games this year. Let's see if they can do that. Grizzlies at second. Warriors at third. They're fighting for that spot. Jazz and Mavericks are tied for fourth and fifth, which just goes to show how the Mavericks are playing lately. Like I said, 11 of their last 13 are wins. 
Nuggets at 39 and 26. They've got reinforcements. Timberwolves are at seventh, man. They're two and a half games for like an actual playoff spot. I don't think they'll get it, but they're they're they've got uh they're three games ahead of the Clippers. They're probably not gonna lose that seventh spot right now. Clippers at eight, Lakers at nine, Pelicans at ten. We're gonna stop it there because the Trailblazers, Spurs, Kings, the Kings, the Kings. Hey, listen, if the Kings get a great draft pick, they can add it to this core. But let's talk about these teams that are in there. Let's start with, uh, let's go bottom to top, okay? Pelicans at 10. We talked about them, so we can skip them for now. Lakers at 9. We expect them to fall into 10th, if not further, correct? Um, yeah, I would, I would honestly agree with that. I mean, it would be unfortunate, but with the route that they're going with the direction, you know, with everything going on with the Lakers, I would not be surprised if they did. The and here's really quick on the Lakers. We already talked about them. Russ isn't going to get much better this year. LeBron had couldn't couldn't possibly get better than he's been. He dropped fifty six to beat the Warriors the other night. And if he's doing that in a plan game, you never you never count him out. Just like you don't count him out last year when they played the Warriors in the plan. But AD's not healthy. He's not right. They don't have pretty much anyone else. Malik Monk is great, but he's not going to win you a playoff game, let alone a series. So we cannot worry about the Lakers. The Clippers are interesting because the Clippers are at eighth. But there are rumors, whispers of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard returning from injury. I don't know about Norman Powell if he's going to be able to come back with that fractured foot he got after the trade, but... The Clippers are still good. I mean, they're two games above 500, and they haven't had their two superstars for a majority of the season. You don't want to meet that team in the first round if you're a one to two seed. Like, if you're in the four or five and you meet them, you're like, well, yeah, that's what we signed up for. That's what we've been the whole season. We have to play a good team to do it. But if you're Phoenix or Memphis, you don't necessarily want to see those dudes. I'm not saying they're going to lose. Uh, Phoenix didn't have a lot of problems with them last year, even though it was without Kawhi. But, I mean, do you really want to see in the first round of the playoffs, Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Robert Covington, and Ivica Zubats with guys like Batum, Morris, um, several guys like that coming off the bench? That would be crazy, honestly. But I mean, but let me just say, like, you know, I'm not sure if Kawhi is really fit to come back this year. I mean, I, sure. I know I know there's a lot of rumors, but I don't know if he actually will. But Paul George definitely coming back will definitely be a plus. Like when you add him to this team, they beat the Jazz with him. just Paul. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, people forget about that last year, which has still has Jazz fans upset about it. But when you <laughs> when you add him with the combination of Reggie Jackson, who's been playing out of his mind. Um, Obviously, Marcus Moore Sr. Honestly, a guy, this is a guy that I didn't expect to really flourish on this team, but he really has. Robert Covington has played pretty phenomenal, or I, I want to say phenomenal, but he's played pretty solid for this team so far since the trade. Like the Clippers, like, this is just a testament to how great of a coach Tyler is. And yeah. people are really starting to understand it, to be honest. I mean, I know, I know people were kind of debating it because, oh, with LeBron, you know, he's pushing LeBron, but this is a testament how good of a coach Tyler is, you know, considering that he hasn't had Kawhi all year, he only had Paul George for like a for like a quarter of the year, and the Clippers are still in that playoff hunt. It's just amazing to me. So, even without Kawhi, you add Paul George to this team. I'm I'm not saying that they could beat Phoenix, but they definitely could push them six seven. 
You don't want to see if you're Phoenix, you don't want to see a Clipper team with Paul George in the first round. I think that's the point. Like, it's not an easy sweep. Like, if you see the Lakers, that's different. If you see the Pelicans, that's different. You just don't want to see uh, a Clipper team with Paul George. I don't think. I mean, in the playoffs, they were last year, they were killers in the playoffs. They went down 2 two times and went back up and then came back from 3 1 and 1 and 7 and all that shit last year. We went to the Timberwolves who. They're going to make the playoffs this year, man. Like, they haven't made the playoffs. I mean, obviously, they still have to go through the plane if they don't get the six seed, but that's better than they've been in years past, and it's on the backs of their defense. D'Angelo Russell has been a connector on defense all season long, whether that sounds weird to you or not. Patrick Beverly is doing his thing. Carl Anthony Town was, was an all-star, and he deserved to be an all-star. Anthony Edwards is Ant-Man. He's doing his goddamn thing out there. They still got... Um, Jaden McDaniels fucking up things on the back. He's like a fuck up guy, like Dennis Rodman was. Jared Ooh. Vanderbilt's the same, the same one. Yeah, exactly. Jalen Noel. It's a fun team. Chris Finch has got these guys playing defense. They're eight games above five hundred. That's that's. I wouldn't expect that out of the Timberwolves. You know, I mean, that was a team that that got what the they got a pick. Did they get a, a huge pick last year? No, they they had the sixth pick basically in the in the league the last year, but it was it went to Golden State in that D-low trade. So it's good stuff to see from the Timberwolves. Are they a contender? No, they're not a contender, and I don't think that they have. I mean, listen, we don't know what Ant's going to look like in the playoffs. I got a feeling that he might just take over some games. Uh, He's going to take over. Ant is going to have some monster games. Maybe not this year. I, right. I think we'll, I think we'll have some solid games this year, but if the Timberwolves keep going in the direction that they are going, Ant-Man is going to be a monster in the postseason. Let's move to the Nuggets at six, which I think this is where you begin to see guys that probably won't go to the Western Conference Finals, but you, you wouldn't be surprised necessarily if they were in the Western Conference Finals. The Nuggets are seven games above – or they're 13 – sorry, they're 13 games above five hundred. Uh, with basically just Jokic the whole year. Yes, guys like um, like Boogie have been playing well, and guys like Bones Highland, but, I mean, the starting lineup is just dudes. Beyond Aaron Gordon, the starting lineup is just dudes. And, by the way, Aaron Gordon has been playing very well. But this all changes if, like it's supposed to, Jamal and Michael Porter Jr. come back. Even if just even if just Jamal comes back, MPJ is coming off of back surgery. Um, and listen, if Brooke can come back from back surgery, maybe MPJ can come too. MPJ is younger, but I wouldn't be as uh, expectant of that happening. Jamal had a torn ACL, which sucks. But guys come back from torn ACLs all the fucking time, like pretty easily too. Usually it takes a bit longer, like another full season for his legs to get under him. But he's still better than Faku Campazo, man. He's probably still better than Bones Highland or Monte Morris, even on one leg. That's how good Jamal Murray is. Um, and you can play him in the playoffs. He's better than fucking Austin Rivers, that's for sure. But it's all surrounding the man. Nikola Jokic and in any given playoff series he's probably going to be the best player in that series I think last year people are like he can't win without MPJ and Jamal Murray but he was missing everyone PJ Dozier was out every defender they had on the perimeter was out and they didn't have Gary Harris anymore it was a lot less of a team we mentioned just today fucking 30 minutes ago in this podcast they changed their bench entirely in one season with adding Bones, Bryn, Boogie, Jeff Green, and bringing back Jermichael Green. 
that's a whole different roster bench-wise than it was last year. They have more depth. They're not the same team that they were last year, and they might be healthier if they can get Jamal back. Are Do I expect them? Are they my pick for the Western Conference Finals? No, but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they met a team like the Warriors or the Jazz or the Mavericks. Honestly, even like the Grizzlies and pulling out an upset win. The Nuggets pull out upset wins. Remember when they came back from 3-1 against the Utah Jazz to go to the conference finals? Or not the conference finals, but the second round? like, Or maybe it was in the first round. I don't fucking know. But they've done it before, man. They've done it before. Let's move on to the Mavericks, uh, who we talked about. They've been playing great. Let, Let me ask you this. Do you trust the Mavericks or the Jazz more right now? I'll probably say the Jazz. But the only reason why I'll say the Jazz is because I don't like giving this guy credit, but I have to. But they have a, a defensive interior force in Rudy Gobert. That's why right. I would give him that nod. Because the Jazz are still missing some, which, by the way, I'm, I'm still kind of mad that they ended up trading Joe Ingles, which is still kind of crazy to me. But honestly, like, I don't know. I think, I think. The Jazz still missing that second star alongside Donovan Mitchell. In my opinion, cost them. Yeah. For the most part, for the um, you know, like in, in the past years, but even though Dallas has played pretty well, I I still think that Utah will be slightly better defensively. It's that's totally like, fair, and that's more of a a prisoner of the moment statement because they won eleven of their past thirteen. I do remember what you said. They need a secondary offensive star. Mike Conley's been great. He's probably the closest thing that they have to that, but he's still thirty fucking four. Boyan Bodanovic can hit thirty points pretty easily in some games, but he's not a twenty point per night guy really. Um, wasn't surprising to see Joe Ingles get traded after the torn ACL, but they didn't get anything back. Like they got Nikhil Alexander Walker, and he's interesting, but not for a team that's trying to win a title at this point. He's not going to get the minutes that he needs. He's still very young, very be a great player. And Mitch is a monster, man. It's going to be detailed in my video of the week in a little bit, but Mitch is a monster, but they need a little bit more. The way that I put it is yes. Um the Jazz are a better team offensively and defensively than the Dallas Mavericks right now. But Luka's still the best player in that series, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Without question. Easily. Um, Easily. Yeah, and question. you usually give those guys the benefit of the doubt, especially now that Lucas seems to have a structure around him that can look. Here's, what, here's another thing I'll ask you, as opposed to better than the Jazz. Is this the year that Luka finally makes it out of the first round of the playoffs? It can happen. I'm not. I'm not gonna bank on it, but I could say I, I'll say it can happen. You know, if Luca comes in to the series with the same mindset that he had even last year when he played the Clippers, I definitely, I definitely think that there's a chance. Because I'll, I'll say this though, like adding guys like Dinwiddie and Deborah Tons, if he's shooting at the um, at the level that he that, that he's shooting at, that's a lot more offensive weapons for the Mavericks than they had last year. Because I mean, honestly, like the like. Besides Luca, like the second best score on that team was Tim Hardaway Jr. last year in the, uh, in right. the season. So now right, like Jesus. Yeah, so it's like, you know, in not to mention that they took the Clippers seven games. So if you add that, Luca, alongside more offensive weapons, they definitely have a shot at um, the It would be nice. That's Mavs and Jazz. Let's go to the Warriors. They're third right now, man. I mean, are you feeling confident about them? Not right now. We stink. But, um, 
besides that, you know, hearing the news of Draymond coming back and Wiseman coming back, it definitely gives you a little bit of optimism. Um, I know, I know the Warriors were a lot of people's favorites to win the title early in the year, but obviously, you know, with a lot of um, shooting slumps, and of course, you know, Clay is still trying to find find his rhythm. You know, definitely played a role. You know, why we're struggling, but I have I have faith that you know the postseason can possibly turn things around. And, you know, saying like we, we we've been in these positions before. Uh, we still have a pretty deep roster, so we'll just have to make everything work for what we got. Yeah, we'll see about the Warriors. I think if Draymond's back and he's healthy, that puts them to another stratosphere. But the point is, if he's not, I don't think they have much of a chance. Again, any given series, Steph is probably the best player, especially the best offensive player on the court. But without any front court, I mean, Looney's fine. Wiseman, even when he's healthy, is something. But without a guy like Dre, who has been holding down the front court in Golden State since – they won the first time and what was it 13 14 14 15 15 yeah it's gonna be tough for them especially in this western conference they'll make it to the second round they'll make it to the western conference finals maybe but they're not going to beat a grizzlies or a Suns or maybe even a jazz without a guy like draymond let's go to the grizzlies they're the second team in the west right now you think they're the second best team in the west yeah Definitely. Um, when you look at the way the this team plays, like they have, they have a really good supporting cast, which I think, I think, I think it honestly goes underrated because you know, ever since John had his fifty point game, you know, I'll, I'll just be honest, like all the big media have been kind of dick riding, honestly per se. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to think about it, but you know, besides that, like Desmond Bain has been playing spectacular. Jared Jackson Jr. I said coming to this year, he was going to have a spectacular year. But then you got guys like De'Anthony Melton who's played well. You have obviously, you know, Stephen Adams has been able to adjust, you know, being that defensive force underneath the basket. Yeah. But the Grizzlies as a whole, and those are just like, you know, a few names. I mean, the rest the rest of the guys are, you know, they've been playing pretty well as well. But the Grizzlies are team, and like I said, I told people Grizz- Memphis was gonna come out this year and play spectacular basketball. Did I did I expect the two seed? Definitely not. I definitely did not expect expect them to be the two seed going into March. But They've been playing lights out basketball. I mean, I know, I know they lost to Boston, uh, and I think they lost to another team um, in the week um, last week as well. But besides that, the Grizzlies are definitely deserving of that second team uh, in the West, and they're playing like it. Guys like Brandon Clark, Tyus Jones, Kyle Anderson, even Zaire Williams, who they drafted at 10 this year, has been contributing. I'll ask you this, though. Beyond Steven Adams, who's been to uh, I be- the first round, maybe the second round in the playoffs, None of these dudes been there. Well, they would. They did. Yeah, he went to the conference finals with OKC. Yeah, OKC, yeah, a few times. All right. Uh, I wasn't sure how many years he was with KD, but um, a lot of these dudes made it to the first round last year, where they lost in five to the Utah Jazz. These guys are going to make it to the second round. I don't think they're going to be an ups. I don't think they're going to get upset. I don't think they have that written on them. I mean, obviously, if you see a team like a fully healthy Clippers or a fully healthy uh, Nuggets in the first round, maybe that's a different story. But I don't think they're going to get upset in the first round. The second round is where it gets a bit tough. Do you think that inexperience is going to cost them in the playoffs at all? I know that Jaws made for the moment, and I wouldn't necessarily say that Jaw would be the reason, but. Most of these dudes haven't been in those high-pressure situations in the NBA. These guys are successful college guys. Most people are. But do you think that could cost them, or are they one of those rare young teams that just pushes through that adversity like the, the Shaq Penny uh, magic from back in the day? 
I think it has a chance to cause. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that it's gonna cause them like you know to like oh like once they get to the second round they're just gonna fold. I, sure. I definitely think that that's fine because I mean even last year like you know people could say oh they lost the five games against Utah but if you look those are some competitive five games if you, if like if you really like dove deep into that series. Couple so of the them. Grizzlies are really yeah like so so the Grizzlies have shown that they're really made for the moment. Now if they. I want to say, yeah, if they play in the playoffs today, they will play, who's the seventh seed, Minnesota? Uh, the seventh seed is Minnesota, but it would be after the play-in to determine who would be in it. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. So let's say, for instance, let, let, let's just say, for instance, they do play Minnesota. In my opinion, they do get that in probably five games. I agree. Then you go into the second round where you're, um, who is it, the uh, two and the four, I want to say? Oh, no, no, it's the two and the uh, three. They would play the winner of three and six. So it would be the winner of the Warriors and the Nuggets, which would be a spooky matchup for them on either end. Exactly. So we all know the Warriors, you know what I'm saying? They have their championship experience. But then again, like you said, I mean, it's really all about health for Golden State. So in my opinion, a fully healthy Golden State team can't take this Grizzly team out. But it all depends on, you know, it all depends on who's available for Golden State. So you can say that. You know, obviously, you know, lack of experience can't play a big role in why they fall in the second round per se. But honestly, they might just be able to get out of it just just out of luck, honestly, as well. Sure, fair enough. And then we got the Suns, who are just a juggernaut. They're a monstrous and well-oiled machine who have been doing a, a lot of winning without Chris Paul and Devin Booker for some of these games. Cam Johnson had a career high like thirty-six the other night, including a buzzer beater three to beat the Knicks. Big shout out the Knicks for being sad as shit this season. Where would you rank the Suns right now in title favorites? Are they your number one? I'm probably going to piss a few people off, to be honest. But, like, look, I'm not going to knock anything that the Suns have been doing. They have been playing spectacular basketball this year. There's a reason why they are the top seed in the NBA. But this is a hot take. I'm probably going to get slandered for saying this. Don't be surprised if they do not make the conference finals. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm not saying that they're. I'm not saying that they're not gonna make it, but don't be sure. surprised. I feel like. I feel like. I don't know. It's like you know when you look at the injuries. Obviously, Chris Paul has been out. Devin Booker um, has missed a few uh, few games as well. I don't know. Like for some reason, I can just see the Suns. You know, especially coming off of a great you know last year. You know, making it to the finals, and, and then of course you know riding that momentum. I'm not saying that they are gonna get bounced like you know full, but I'm just telling people don't be surprised. I just feel like. I don't know. I, I just feel like, you know, in my opinion, Golden State is still a better team. I mean, I'm not even being biased when I say this. Sure, sure. A fully, healthy, a fully healthy Golden State team, in my opinion, is a better team with Phoenix. That's just my opinion. But I don't know. Like, I just feel like, you know, something like that could happen. I, I don't have a particular reason why, but, you know, I think everybody has so, such high ex- expectations for Phoenix this year. I'm just telling people, like, just don't be surprised if, like, you know, we get to the second round and then next, you know, like, Phoenix kind of crumbled the way that it, the way that they did in the finals when they lost four straight. They're a well-oiled machine, and Chris Paul runs that machine, and Devin Booker has true superstar potential. I don't think he's one of like the five or six superstars in the NBA, but his scoring gets you there. I compare it as almost like an Anthony Davis as a elite power forward that's not a superstar. He's an elite shooting guard that's not a power forward, that's not a superstar yet. He can still ascend it. I mean, the guy is still young. We forget that he's not fucking. He's not even in his. I think in his athletic prime yet. Um, but 
I see what you're saying. I think the West has a lot of elite big men and a lot of elite wings, especially if the Clippers are healthy. And the Suns don't necessarily have guys for either. Aiden can guard anyone. That's not Giannis or Embiid. And they handled Jokic, but Jokic had no one. I still don't want to say that they are going to just destroy the Nuggets if they see the Nuggets again in the playoffs if they're healthy because they have a lot more options, especially around Jokic if they do it. And Jokic has gotten just like exponentially better this year after winning MVP last year. I wouldn't be surprised about it. Go ahead. Let's say for instance, you know, that does happen. You know, the Nuggets and the Suns face each other. And let's say, for instance, hypothetically, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, come back healthy, you know, able to produce at the level that, I mean, maybe not to the level that they did, like, before the injuries, but just being able to take, take a, like, a little bit of a load off of Jokic. Obviously, Jamal Murray's going to be matched up against, you know, Chris Paul. Like, how do you see that? How do, how do you see that matchup going? Suns and six, probably. I think that team is just too smart for the playoffs. Um... Michael Porter Jr., I actually just don't have much confidence in him as as a player. I've always thought that while he was healthy, they should have traded him for an elite two-way wing or a defensive wing like OG Ananobi or a Pascal Siakam to really uh, bring up the defense of the Nuggets. So I guess that lends in a little bit about my bias to Michael Porter Jr. I think Jamal makes it a six-series game. I think their bench does a better job of it, but... I think the Suns are just too good and too structured to lose to a team like the Nuggets right now. Like, it would have to be a structured team like the Jazz. Maybe I'm underrating Jokic, but they've got guys like Aiton that can bounce with him in the paint. And as far as, like, the the cutting and the, uh, the offensive structure of the Nuggets go, the Suns are just disciplined. Mikel Bridges fills those passing lanes. Jay Crowder fills those passing lanes. Booker and, and Paul try on it. They've got guys like Campaign off the bench that can really try on defense as well. And Aiden is doing it all up. I, I am lower on the Suns than other people like you are. I just don't think the Nuggets would be it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they ran into a fully healthy Jazz and because they didn't get to play the Jazz last year. The Jazz choked to the, the, the Clippers last year. A Jazz team that's a very well-run team like the Suns that have veterans like Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert and Boyan Bogdanovich that could bring it up and a good coach in Quinn Snyder that could do it. I could see it against a Warriors team where Steph Curry is still pretty easily the best team on the court on both sides and Draymond Green can really fuck up their offense when he needs to. I mean, switching... We saw what P.J. switching to Booker did in the finals. It didn't stop Booker, but it made him think twice on some things, especially the value-oop at the end there in Game 5, where he thinks twice about shooting it, turns, and Drew Holiday takes it from him. Now, take that, but now it's Draymond Green Green instead. There's a little bit of a difference there. I'm not sure sure if the Grizzlies could do it. It would be really – I think it would be – delicious uh, agenda wise if the suns lost to the grizzlies in a playoff series but again i think i'm i think i'm lower on the suns than people are like you let's go to the east and let's go quick because that's been a lot of time so let's do let's ignore the plan nets at eight i mean the nets have to do something to get out of this plan right man yeah, I, I agree honestly I, I honestly at this point i think they're honestly stuck in there i think i think i think they'll just have to face it and just maybe I mean, they're going to be in the play-in probably. They're one game, they're two games behind the Raptors for the seventh, but they're five point five games behind the Cavs for the sixth seed. That's not going to. That's just not going to happen at this point. They're going to be in the play-in, and what a treat 
if you're a top two seed in the East, with are the right now the Miami Heat of the Philadelphia 76ers, and you have the possibility of seeing Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the first round. I listen, the Nets have been bad. They've lost four, they've lost they're four and six in their last ten. Um they're 33 and 33, they're 500. If you're Philadelphia, you want to see them in the first round? Yeah, personally, yeah. Oh, okay. Honestly, to be honest, I, I think Philly is confident, especially, you know, how they've been playing with James Harden, um, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, which I'm, I'm, I'm going to get into him later once we do an article of the week. And then, of course, um, guys like Seibel, uh, Tobias, is, Tobias is still – Iffy to me, Tobias is dog. Out. They're gonna trade Tobias's ass in the offseason. They can't wait to trade Tobias' ass, man. But, Tobias. Honestly, but I'm 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 honestly gonna say I think Philly wants that matchup. I really okay. think they do. I think personally, if I got a top two seed in the East and I had to play any team, even if it's the fucking Thunder, but they have Kevin Durant, I'd be pissed. <laughs> I don't want to see Kevin Durant. In any playoff matchup, let alone the first round, if I'm a top two seed. But let's move on from them. The Raptors are at seventh right now, 34 and 34 games above 500. It's pretty cool. Um, they're they're an interesting team. Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr. By the way, who's playing really well. Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam. They don't really have centers. Chris Boucher and Ken Birch are out there. I think Ken Birch been hurt most of the season. Malachi Flynn's playing well again. They're fun. Do you trust them in the playoffs? I don't. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, they, they have a great young squad. You know, obviously Van Vliet being an all-star, Pascal was, Pascal was playing at, you know, at a peak level yeah. at a certain point in the season, but I just don't think it'll happen for them, honestly. I just think that, you know, they the Raptors probably need just a few more years to maybe get things right. Nick Nurse and that defensive versatility they have with Scotty, Pascal, and OG probably gets them, in. you know, it's not an, you're not going to get swept in the first round. They're a six-game series mm-hmm. probably. But okay, like I, I think they're just good, and I think Nick Nurse is really good at keeping team, keeping other teams on their toes. But I don't think they're a threat to the playoffs this year. I think next year, if they can make a play for a big center, not necessarily a big name center, but a center that can do something. Like I know Atlanta is looking to trade Clint Capella in the offseason because Onyeka, you and I love Onyeka. He's going to be a monster, and they've got other guys there. A guy like Clint Capella can really raise the floor. Does he fit into their small ball scheme? No, but he doesn't have to play starters-level minutes for you. He just needs to be able to play as a big man. Because if you're Toronto and you go up against Joel Embiid right now, you are fucked. You are fucked, man. They're getting cooked. And they know how to guard Giannis, but after a few games, they're going to get after it. They beat Giannis in the playoffs two years ago with Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol, two monstrous guys that know how to defend big men like Giannis. They don't have that right now. They still do well when we play them in the regular season, but it won't happen in the playoffs. I can guarantee that right now. At six, they've slipped a little bit, and I can't blame them because, one, they're still 11 games over 500, which is better than anyone thought they would be this year, and they've dealt with injuries after injuries as the Cleveland Cavaliers. I was high on them at the beginning of the year, but I think with this seeding right now, they'd have to play the Bucks, which would be a fun matchup, but I wouldn't give them a chance in hell to beat them. Uh, how do you feel about the Cavs right now? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. they're not beating Milwaukee. Right, <laughs> it's right. Crazy, I really love this team, you know what I'm saying? Like Evan Mobley. I mean, I, I know Kate Cunningham's like right behind him in my opinion, but I still think Evan Mobley just might just might slightly get that rookie of the year reward. But at worst second. Doing, 
Exactly. But it's like, you know, when you're going up against a defending champion or young team, yeah, it's not a good look. Yeah, and listen, this all changes if Ricky's healthy, if uh, they've got the guys that they wanted to be out there, you know. I mean, not that they would beat the Bucks with Ricky Rubio, but they probably wouldn't be the sixth seed if they still had Ricky Rubio, you know. Exactly. If they had to play like the Raptors in the first round because they were the three seed for a lot of the first half of the season when they were fully healthy, that's different. I'd probably give them that series or if they had to play the Hornets or the Hawks or someone like that. But at this point, I mean, listen, they're only – 0.5 games from fifth, they're one game away from fourth, they're uh, 2.5 games away from third. It's not impossible for them to move up. Like, if they played the Bulls in the first round, I wouldn't necessarily count them out. But let's talk about the fifth seed. By the way, this fifth seed is kind of fucking surprising. I know they won a lot of games, but it's your team of the month, baby. Boston is 12 games above 500 right now. In the fifth seed, they'd play the Bulls in the first round, which I think would be a fucking fun series by the way how you i mean we talked about the Celtics already but in terms of the playoffs specifically the playoffs teams are going to play them differently no one's going to guard Derek white that's true so obviously you know the cd is still you know you know being being in a process right now so we don't know for sure if the, if the bulls are going to finish as a fourth seed and the Celtics will finish as a fifth seed but let's say hypothetically this does happen it's kind of it's kind of going back to what we alluded to with the Grizzlies, the Bulls. Even though they've been great and you know when fully healthy they are great, but they still, as a, as a whole, kind of lack a lot of experience. Besides the bottom, that's Rose. true. Lonzo's never been in the playoffs. Zachary's never been in the playoffs. Caruso is a champion. I must say, right? Um, Vooch has been swept out of the playoffs like twice. Exactly. So DeRozan has been to a couple conference finals, but he hasn't played well in them. No, he has not. So when you mess it up against Boston, which I mean, which in my opinion, like when you look at like both both squads, like particularly on both ends of the floor, Chicago is better, but the game is going to slow down in the playoffs, and you got a guy like, and and basically you have a roster that's been to the conference finals a few times: Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, and you know the rest of these guys. I'm not saying that Boston's just going to up and beat the team, but they, I feel like they might have a slight advantage when you when, like when you look at the two matchups. I think the Celtics exploit a, a very big weakness of the Bulls in that they've got two of the best perimeter defenders and guard defenders in the league in Lonzo and Caruso, but they're not necessarily wing defenders, especially not uh, elite wing defenders. And Boston's got two of the best, man. Listen, I love Caruso and I love Lonzo, but if you're putting them on Tatum for 48 minutes, he's going to cook you. He's going to cook you. And listen, maybe Pat Will, the paw is back by then, but he's he hasn't played the entire season. He's not ready to come in and just guard Jason Tatum. He's not Jimmy Butler. He's not Kawhi. So how do you think of how do you think a matchup of Lonzo against Jalen Brown will go? I think it's fine in the sense that in the triple threat, Lonzo can stay in front of him, but I think uh Jalen's just too athletic and too strong. He's a big guy and Lonzo is yeah. tall for his size or tall for his position but he's not necessarily big and Caruso knows how to guard guys that are bigger than him in the post but not necessarily on the drive so I just think that those matchups don't line up and the Celtics have more answers on defense for their offense DeRozan and uh, and Levine can be guarded by the Marcus Smarts, the Jalen Browns, the Derek Whites who can guard other guys. Vucevic 
can maybe feast in this, but they're not as anemic in the paint that they were in years past. You know, if they were still going up against uh, Hurt Robert Williams and Enos fucking Cantor, then yeah, Vooch would probably feast in this matchup. But now he's got to go against Robert Williams, who's healthy, and by the way, might make an old defensive team. That guy playing fucking great. And now Horford, who's not elite anymore, but he can guard guys. Shout out to Al Horford. I forgot about him. <laughs> he's been playing really good basketball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's out there playing minutes for him. He's doing what the Celtics need him to do. And I just think that when you consider the options that they have to guard Tatum and Brown and the options that Boston has to guard uh, Levine and DeMar, the Celtics probably win those matchups. Now, the Bulls still have more talent and probably a better roster overall, but I just think it's a bad matchup for them. Like we said, it's congested. We just talked about how we don't trust the Bulls. We can go ahead and skip them, too. Let's go to the top three, baby. Top three. Bucks, Sixers, Heat. Right now, Heat are at number one. Sixers are at number two. Bucks are at number three. How are you ranking them, though, despite the seeding? One really tough one considering you know what I'm gonna put Miami one and sure. I did Milwaukee two and I'll do Philly three. I'm only gonna put Miami at one as of right now because Brooke was uh Brooke is still out for Milwaukee, so that's why I'm gonna yeah. give them that. But if those two teams do me in the playoffs, I would possibly give the Bucks an advantage, not only sure. the chance, but obviously Giannis is honestly a cheat code at this point, you know what I'm saying? There's really no stopping him. And then, of course, you know, you have a great closer in Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. And then, honestly, I'm a huge fan of the Serge Ibaka trade, honestly. especially when He's playing well. That's a fact. And then, of course, you got uh, hopefully, hopefully Pat Connaughton comes back healthy, um, Grayson Allen, the rest of these guys. So even though Miami's depth is just as good, but when you think of, you know, I don't know. It's just, you know, Giannis is just a cheat code at this point, honestly. Yeah. This is why I, this is why I do believe that Milwaukee will probably have the best for Miami. If Giannis is healthy in a series, I'm going to pick him over anyone. That's me being grown up in Milwaukee and watching him his whole career. But if he's healthy, I'm not picking anybody against him, all right? Philly's got two actual superstars. If Harden keeps this up, he gets to re-enter the superstar conversation. He was out of it most of the season. But he gets to re-enter if he keeps playing it like this. It's just that we got a Giannis, man. And that's why I would trust both teams when it gets down to the nitty-gritty against the Heat, just because they have guys. So often do you need a structure and a roster and talent and depth and good coaching to win a title in the NBA, and so many times it doesn't fucking matter because the other team has LeBron James. For, for two decades, it's been – it doesn't fucking matter who you have on your team because the other team has LeBron fucking James. Who cares if he's running out there with Richard Jefferson and J.R. Smith? It's LeBron James. He's going to beat you. And the teams in the East that have guys like that are only, only the Sixers and the Bucks. The Heat have guys that can stop those dudes or at least do their best. Better personnel to stop those guys than anyone else in the East. But at the end of the day, they got guys that can get shit done when it doesn't even matter. Miami's great. Both the Sixers and the Heat, uh, or the Sixers and the Bucks are three games behind the Heat for the one seed. It's very, very interesting to see how this is going to shake out because uh, the Bulls are right there too, and the Celtics, uh, it's very tight, but the way that things are trending, I, the Bucks have won five straight. I think they're going to go on a streak now to get it. It would really suck if we made a push for the one seed at the end of the year just to play Kevin Durant in the first round. But we'll get to that point when we have to. 
the Sixers, uh, the Bucks. I just think, listen, the reigning champion, they have Giannis. If Brooke is healthy, they're going to be fantastic. Let's move on from them. The Sixers, Harden and Embiid are already one of the hardest pick and roll, uh, pick and rolls in like the last five years. Honestly, five years pick and roll teams. And they've got guys like Tyrese Maxey, who looks like a legitimate third option. Tobias Harris, who's being paid $35 million to be a fourth option. It really sucks that he's not being able to do shit, but um, they're, they've got guys. The one thing is that the Embiid minutes, the non-minutes are still an issue. In the Raptor series that they lost in the, in the, the second round with uh, the Kawhi buzzer beater, they were what, like plus a bunch with Embiid and then like minus 24 and like the eight minutes that he didn't play. They haven't fixed that. DeAndre Jordan's not going to fix that. Willie Cauley-Stein's not going to fix that. Right now, they're playing Paul Mills out there. It is not working for them there. So I was, I was honestly going to bring that up. I was going to bring yeah. that up. Paul Mills is not the guy for Philly. I'm sorry. No. You can you can stick um, – you can, you can have Harden out there when Embiid doesn't have there. They're staggering them. They're doing a better job of that. But – your interior is still fucked. If you're playing a Giannis or even a Heat when they have Bam and big dudes out there to exploit, Vucevic even, every minute that Embiid is not on the floor, they're going to have those guys out there to feast, and you're going to have to figure that out. That's their biggest weakness, but they're fantastic. Miami, starting lineup of Kyle Lowry. Uh, I really don't know who they start. Right now, I think they're starting at like Gabe, Gabe Vincent. But let's say Hero starts at shooting guard in a playoff series, or even Oladipo if he's fully healthy. But then you've got Jimmy, PJ, and Bam out of bio. It's one of the best five defensive lineups that we've seen in a long, long time. Who? I was saying that's, that's a very tough lineup. It's tough, man. My thing is, there have this is something big shout out we shout out my every time to Kaius Duncan. His worry the entire time has been their half court offense, and I'm still very concerned with it. Lowry solves some things because he can run a basic pick and roll and throw an outlet or a, 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 an entry pass to the post. But as much as he can ISO and he has in the playoffs before, he's not like Kyrie. He's not Isaiah Thomas in his prime in Boston, and they don't have a guy that can do that. The guy that's best at doing that on the roster is Tyler Hero, and he's like 21 years old. He it, it, it's scary how much they rely on Tyler Hero going nuclear on offense for them to survive. He's really the best offensive weapon when you think about it. He is. I mean, he's their best offensive talent, you know, and he's a, and that's not to say anything. He's a great offensive talent, you know. He's a great offensive talent, but Jimmy has been pure shit on offense this year. Bam is aggressive like one every three games, and if he drops 20 points, you're like, holy God, Bam is on one tonight, which is 20 points is a bad game for guys like Giannis Embiid at this point, you know. P.J. Tucker doesn't score. Uh, he hits you know, corner threes, so I'm not saying he's nothing on offense, but he's not a scorer by any means. Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, Gabe LeBarton will hit open threes, and that's it. And that's it. You don't have initiators on offense, and I don't think they have enough of that to win a title, and I don't think they have enough of that to get out of the East. Conference finals, though, for sure, because they are going to fuck a lot of worse teams than they are in the playoffs. That's what we've got. Let's move on from the standings. That went on for actually a pretty decent amount of time. I'm kind of happy with that. Let's move on to the plug zone, baby. The plug zone. What do you got for some articles of the week, Dre? Articles of the week, man. I actually have two. My first one, shout out to my brother, man, my uh collective brother um 
Will Lyons, he wrote an article titled Tyrese Maxey Still Tipping, basically giving Tyrese Maxey his flowers. Oh, nice. There's going to be a great backhoe being alongside James Harden, really being, being able to step up. Because even I'll admit, when the trade did happen, I was I was kind of focused on, you know, how would Maxey be able to fit, you know what I'm saying, with, with Harden basically being the whole, basically being the ball-dominant guy, basically playing that point, that point guard position. But Tyrese Maxey has definitely stepped his game up. You know, he had a, I think he had a few 30-point games in the, um, in the process of that. So, shout out to Tyrese Maxey, man. Definitely playing this hard out. And um, definitely, yeah, shout out to my guy, Will, for writing that piece. And then my second piece, non-NBA related, it is by myself. <laughs> that came out today on on a prospect named Adonis Hollyman. Shout out to Adonis. Shout out to the Hollyman family. So, yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, basically talking about, you know, what he brings to the table, his versatility, his confidence, and, you know, teams that should be looking out for him. So, yeah, definitely check that out. You've been teasing that article series for a minute now. Please go check it out. It will be tweeted out on the Hoop Truther Pod uh, Twitter account, at Hoop Truther Pod. It's up there on the screen right now if you're watching on video. Um, go give us some love to him. We'll also tweet out the article of that, that he also chose um, Will Lyons. It'll be out there. My article of the week is you tweeted at me today, Dre. And you know, if this guy is going to be talked about in an article, I'm probably going to read it, man. And I fucking love this article. All right. Alan Shazaro for uh fan sided power by the, yeah, big shout out. We should probably have him on at some point. We'll get in touch with him. See if we can do that. Uh, this is about Brandon Jennings being basically the first high school player to decide to go overseas, uh, get a paycheck, $1.25 million overseas instead of going to college. And like nowadays, you've got like LaMelo and guys like that going to Lithuania or Australia instead of the NBA. There's even another option in the G League Ignite now that you can do. This article explains that and much more. Go check it out. It'll be tweeted out. And keep an eye out for us possibly having him on the pod at some point. I also have a video of the week. We talked about them a little bit earlier today. But I don't have... Um, I don't have uh, – you and I know that we don't watch the Jazz. We really just don't. Uh, as much as we'd like to, it's a boring team on a lot of nights. Yeah, I mean, if they're playing someone interesting, I like to see how they match up. But I'm not going out of my way to watch the Jazz, which means that when I'm consuming NBA content, I'll if I see stuff geared towards the Jazz, I'll try and consume it simply so I have some sort of knowledge on what the Jazz are doing. You guys know who Thinking Basketball is. If you don't know, you should by now. Ben Taylor and his crew, uh, tons of, yeah. Ben, if you're listening, we need you on. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, should, we should definitely reach out at some point. Some of the best basketball breakdowns that we'll see in – any facet videos some articles podcasts they got a patreon go check it out this video in particular is donovan mitchell uh, making the jazz offense nearly unstoppable i just read the title if you're not watching on video it's 15 minutes it's not that long and it really breaks down how the defense or the offense in utah works and as well as how donovan elevates their offense if you're not watching the jazz like we are, I highly recommend it. It's just so you can have a little bit more knowledge about how that works. That's about it for the plug zone. I haven't written any, anything lately. I got to hit up my editor at uh, Sir Charles in Charge, get something out there. But you can check out me 
at the Twitter account at underscore Guccifer. Check out Dre at Nick Andre ATR on Twitter and check out his article. This will all be tweeted out along with the show tomorrow. Final thoughts here. I got a couple things that we want to talk about. If there's anything else you want, we can do as well. Uh, Kendrick Perkins said that Giannis doesn't have marketability like Jaha, Luca, Trey, and Jason Tatum. I got my thoughts, but I want to hear yours first. I'm trying to be nice, man. I, I, Kendrick Perkins has improved tremendously as an analyst on ESPN, but this is kind of idiotic. I didn't read the story because why? Why need to read the story? Honestly, yeah. You know, the, I mean, the headline kind of speaks for itself, honestly. I mean, and I know that might sound ignorant, but, you know, for basically saying that, honestly, Giannis has probably been, there's a, there's a debate to say that he could, that he has been the best player the past few years. There's no debate about that, honestly. Yeah. Especially considering that he just won the championship last year. And you could say, oh, whatever happened, he earned that championship last year, without question, without a debate. So for you to, so for Kendrick Perkins to say that, Giannis is not as markable as John Morant or whoever is pretty insane to me, considering that you can arguably say that he's one of the top, if not the best player, at least top three. Yeah, I I fully agree. Uh, Giannis, by the way, not marketable, dropped 39-7-7-3-1 against OKC tonight in like a 30-point win. Um, I got a couple last things, something that just happened three minutes ago from Shams. The Golden State Warriors are working out Tyreek Evans in the Bay Area this season. He had a workout with the Bucs a week ago. I don't know if it went well or not. No, uh, nothing was out there, but the Bucs have often – Given workouts to guys and given tryouts to guys that that they don't end up signing, and it ends up actually getting them a little bit more um, showtime, a little bit more attention, where they can get more workouts and get signed, like Boogie did with the the Nuggets for the rest of the year. So maybe that was their intention. Now Golden State, give me five seconds on Tyreek Evans at Golden State. Do you want him? Yeah, uh, I'm definitely happy. Um, Tyreek <laughs> Evans is definitely one of my favorite young prospects. Um, back in his early days with Sacramento and everything. So for him to get the opportunity to play again, I'm definitely happy. If he gets picked up by a team, I don't know if it's going to be Golden State or if it's anyone else. But right. whoever picks him up, definitely congrats to him. And also I want to say, if we can get Tyrese Maxey back, free OJ Mayo. Let's bring my guy OJ. Yeah, maybe. We'll we'll see if they'll do it. I know he's still on that suspension. Dre, any final thoughts from you? I've got one last thing that I want to end on, but beyond that, anything? No. Um, I have a quick hot take, I want to say. Um, Do it. Well, I don't know if it's a hot take. You know, re- basically going back to the Giannis thing, you know, looking at Giannis, you know, the trajectory of his career, you know, a young kid from Greece. Honestly, you know what? You know what did it, honestly? Um, when you sent me the picture of Giannis as a kid rocking the braids, I, th- I thought that was pretty funny, honestly. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, just basically looking at the whole trajectory of his career, you know, coming in as a young um, skinny kid, you know, basically elevating his way into now an NBA champion. I honestly think, because here's the thing, like, I, it's kind of going back to the NBA 75, I'm still reflecting on it. You know, I know people are not upset, I'm, are not too happy about my hot take last week on uh, Dennis Rodman. But, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I think Giannis, I think Giannis can be top 10 all time. Oh, yeah. I'll Yeah, I think he can be higher than that shit, baby. One last thing about his marketability. Motherfucker is top three in jersey sales and has a Disney movie coming out about his life. Talk about marketability, Kendrick Perkins. We're going to wrap this up. 
Yeah, no, yeah. We're going to wrap this up. Happy International Women's Day to all our ladies out there. And just to top it off, ESPN is signing Doris Burke to a multi-year extension. Very well-deserved. Probably might be the best broadcaster out there. Dre, give me some final thoughts on that before we wrap this up. An hour 40. If you're still listening, you have no fucking life, man. Shout out to Doris Burke. Really been holding down the basketball style for the women over the past few years. I mean, particularly for the NBA itself, you know, but the women, the, um, the whole women's side is growing. Um, I can't remember her name, but I know she just started doing play-by-play analysis for the NBA. I can't remember her name for ESPN, but I know she did a few games. I know she did a, um, a Philly game one time. I think she did a Minnesota game one time there on ESPN. I cannot remember her name, whoever's listening. Please provide her name. Honestly, because I cannot remember. I know that she's new, but I definitely, um, whenever I get her name, I want to shout her out. But I'm definitely happy for Doris Burke, honestly. And since we're on national, uh, or since we're on International Women's Day, free Brittany Griner, get her out of Russia. Yes, yes, free Brittany Griner. Definitely, definitely devastating news, and I definitely hope that she can get home really, really soon. Free Brittany. Uh, big shout out to Doris. Thank you guys for checking us out. Hoop Truther Studios on YouTube at Hoop Truther Pod on Twitter. We'll be tweeting all of this information out tomorrow. Give us a like, subscribe on iTunes, all of that shit. We're on all audio platforms. Follow Nick Andre, one of the hardest working men on Twitter at Nick Andre ATR. Follow me if you care at underscore Lucifer. That's Lucifer or that's Lucifer with a G on Twitter. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Jesus.